Indeed, and the war is moving forward, intensifying. Thank you, Jesus, that you're coming again. Lord, we pray for this day for these people who are listening, every one of them, that their hearts would be touched, encouraged, lifted up, rescued, delivered from the snare of the fowler, wherever they're trapped, whatever is going on in their lives. I thank you, Lord, for giving all of us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to be encouraged to understand the word of God, the power of your word, the um, absolute authenticity of your word, the accuracy of your word, Lord God. And I thank you, Jesus, that you give us a new perspective, a new desire, a new uh, energy, anointing, hunger to cast off the hidden works of darkness, the deceptions the God of this world has put upon us and walk with integrity, walk with simplicity, walk with holiness in our pursuit of you and your word and by your Holy Spirit, Lord God, that you have sent to live in our hearts. So, Father, I thank you that you've promised us that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And you know how the enemy has tried to destroy the people of God in every way. But we declare that you are victorious, you are faithful, you are the one who keeps us, Lord God, and not suffers us to be moved. And I thank you, Lord, that we will stand, and having done all, we will stand, and that we will all rightly divide your holy word of truth, and that the encampments of the enemy against our minds, against our our understanding, against your word, would be exposed and torn down that you would prevail, Lord God, with justice and truth and victory. And I thank you, Lord, for giving us wisdom. May we speak today as the oracles of God. We ask these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm look, really looking forward to our show here today, And uh, well, as we do every week. and uh, But we're in Mark uh, chapter 11, mm-hmm. and, and we're, talking, we're beginning to talk about what is known as the triumphal entry yeah. of Jesus into Jerusalem, what we know of as Palm Sunday. We want to give a little background on that. Mm-hmm. But I am convinced that the real triumphal entry was not at this time. Yeah, that was just kind of the um, the foreshadowing. That was just a, fil- a fulfilling, actually, of a prophecy. Actually, right now, we're entering into the from now to the end of the book, the Gospel of Mark, but also Matthew and, and uh, Luke and John. The prophetic is coming into into heavy play here. Uh, many of, what, of the things that Jesus did, you know, he healed the blind, he cast out demons, he uh, taught them, and all of those things. They're they're not as easy to identify prophetically as these very specific events are, like uh, the triumphal entry. Well, yeah, uh, Isaiah spoke of Jesus uh, that the blind will see, the lame will walk. Right. So there, there's all these, you know, hundreds of prophecies concerning Jesus. And uh, this one, as we will find out a little bit later in the program today, is very, very, very specific. And uh, uh, Well, let's look at where of, he is first. Tell us where he is. Well, here's where Jesus is. Now, he's come, We last the last program, we talked about... He was on his way. Well, the healing of blind Bartimaeus. Yep, mm-hmm. And he was on the road. And on on the way. road, yeah. begging. He cries out, you know, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus heals him. Uh, and there, so G- this has been done. He's following him. Bartimaeus is following Jesus. So Jesus is coming up 
from kind of the northeast of Jerusalem uh, coming up up from, you know, it looks like it's northeast, we think of up north, down south, but up the uh, mountain uh, to the higher ground of Jerusalem. He's coming from Jerusalem. From Jericho. From Jericho. To Jerusalem. From, I'm sorry, yeah, from, from Jericho to Jerusalem. And uh, uh, just outside of Jerusalem, there's a village called, uh, there are a couple of villages, one along the road called Bethphage, another one called Bethany. Mm-hmm. And now Bethany was the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Right. So that's probably where he was heading for the night yep. because he had to have a couple of places. And I think he did that from time to time. He just, he was homeless. He didn't really have a established home or residence, I'm sure, although he probably stayed with Peter and the guys from time to time because they obviously had homes yeah. and maybe his aunts and uncles and stuff. But now he's on his way to a, in a mission, and this is very important because he's very his face is set to go forward to um, Jerusalem to fulfill the prophetic words, and he knew he knows we're within the, within a week of the crucifixion right here. So we're talking about you know his game face. It's, it says in other places his face was set to go to Jerusalem. The disciples, the twelve that were with him, saw this. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like in sports, you know, you have your game face when you're intensified. Yeah. You're ready to go into the into the game, into the battle. Uh, so, but he says, um, he sent two of his disciples mm-hmm. uh, at the Mount of Olives. Now, the Mount of Bethphage and Bethany are kind of right at the foot of the Mount of Olives. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the Mount of Olives is is just kind of to the east of Jerusalem. And you can, from there, You've got a really good view of the city of Jerusalem, uh, the 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 temple especially, mm-hmm. and you can even look down and see the Dead Sea from there. Wow, it's kind and of a so vantage point. It's quite a vantage so point. So he was there, and he sent his two disciples, two of them. We don't know which two. He said, um, "Go into the village, uh, and opposite you on the other side, and as soon as you have entered, you will find a colt tied." on which no man sat. Loose it and bring it. Now we know we know it's a colt. It's not a horse colt. It's a donkey colt. It's right. the in, offspring of a, a, a donkey, a young donkey. And then in Matthew he says, go into the village and you'll find the donkey tied, a colt with, with her. A donkey tied and a colt with her. So you have two animals uh-huh. there. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. Now, this is kind of <clears throat> interesting because he's ha- he has a word of knowledge here. He's actually telling them exactly what they're going to find. And in Mark even says, and there it was. Um, it says, and they went their way, and they found this colt tied by the door outside of the st- on the street. And they loosed it. It was right there. They couldn't miss it, tied to the door on the outside. I, I would imagine it was the door of the owner's door, whoever that was. Yeah, right by the house. And and some of those who stood there said to them, "Hey, wait a minute!" No, they said, "Are you still in the?" Still what in are you doing, cult? loosing the colt? Um, mm-hmm. And so they did. Then the disciples said, "So they told them just as Jesus had commanded, and they let him go. They let them have the colt." So I want these could have been you no know, disciples of Jesus when he said, "You know, tell them that the Lord has need of them." It's like they think, must already. They know. might be thinking like, "Okay, what is he?" going to do what does he want with the donkey what's he going to do now you know, yeah this is <laughs> this is know. unusual he's never done this before. yeah it's like really you know this donkey i mean it's never been ridden on mm-hmm. okay it's never carried any you know, cargo or anything yeah. like that so it's a 
a virgin donkey, so to speak. <laughs> right. So in in Matthew it says, and all of the and all of this was done that it might be fulfilled. So Jesus is fulfilling a prophecy here, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, and that was Zechariah, "Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey." So obviously, he's he's going to sit on this donkey, parade himself, ride a donkey, to fulfill a prophecy. And this is strange, except if you know in their culture, when um, kings would come through the town in peace, they would ride a donkey, not a, not a horse, not a steed. They would ride a donkey to, to declare to the people that they're not here for battle or war. Uh, and so he was coming in peace to Jerusalem. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king, capital K, Jesus, is coming to you. Now, this is what they were looking for all along. This is the, almost going to be a false start. Because they've already, I'm sure, a lot of political talk and a lot of, um, you know, over-the-campfire discussions about Jesus. Come on, let's take this thing. You can do this. You've got the power, the people behind you. You've got the political uh, authority. Uh, I mean, well, you don't have the political authority. You have authority and over the politicians, and um, they can't seem to stop you. Let's, let's take it on. Let's, let's rule. Let's take back Jerusalem and, and Judea and, and for God. There was a uh, intertestamental period. It's it about 400 years between the last prophetic writing of the Old Testament, the Book of Malachi, and you know the time of Jesus coming. And during those 400 years, especially probably in the more recent, you know, the latter half or third of right. the, those 400 years, there were more and more movements. There were rebellious movements, revolts, revolts, trying attempts, to, you know, attempts to mm-hmm. get back. To get back, there were like guerrilla groups, mm-hmm. uh, insurrections, the Maccabees, yeah. the Maccabees, all mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And some were thinking, "Well, hey, was this the Messiah? This, yeah. Could this be the Messiah?" So they're still, they're still looking for a political figure mm-hmm. to to bring salvation to their nation. Right. But so, it says too. Uh, in in Zechariah nine nine, there's a uh, part of that. It says, "His king, he is just, having salvation." So he's a, a bring a king that's bringing justice and salvation, bring which is salvation. awesome. Yes. We think about the injustice today. You just you, you crave justice. You crave it, and, it, and it's it's interesting that this was a, a similar period of time when there was no justice, there was no mercy. Rome had no mercy upon the occupants of Jerusalem or Judea. Um, you were at the mercy of rumors and, and accusations, false accusations. People would be captured, hung up, put in prison, killed. Cro- put on crosses. Yeah, crucified. Put on, on cross, crucified. I mean, for, w- for a misstep. A lot of times we just think of, oh, it's the Holy Land and everything is just, it's you know, anything you got all this history and... and <laughs> In the same way Very, today, it's 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 set aside by God, but it's anything yeah. but holy as far as righteousness right. today. But back then too, yeah, it, in Jerusalem and Judea at this time they are occupied territory yeah, by a cruel pagan. Well, like we nation. would say today, it's it was a hot mess. There was political intrigue. There was this spiritual revelation of Jesus Christ who just came in and, and messed. Yeah, he stirred the pot, so to speak. Everything, every foul demon on earth, I think, was beginning to congregate in that area of the world because they saw that they had to do something to stop this. And there was a lot of terror, I would imagine, in hell as well. But So Jesus is coming to fulfill a prophecy and also another prophecy that's very obscure that I, I'm, uh, you know, I just was made aware of uh, a couple of days ago. From uh, Chuck Missler has talked a lot about this. He's a very, if you want to, 
listen to somebody who's he's passed away now, but he was an incredible man of the word and also very logical, uh, had a scientific sort of background and, and very capable. But he brought out something that was very interesting. Before you bring that out, let me just share. That, oh, no. You know, there, was all this, there was all this speculation about who Jesus was. If you read in John 6, mm-hmm. 7, 8, who is he? Uh, he's a liar. He's born of fornication. Where yeah. is he? He's a good man. No, he's a deceiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You, know, you yeah. have a demon. Um, a wine bibber. This is not. Yeah. The, is not the. Isn't this the one they're looking for to try to? He kill? eats with sinners. <laughs> I know who this man is from. He he is not. He can't be from God. Uh, where where does he intend to go? What does he intend to do? Yeah, all this stuff. Questions, uh, confusion. Is this all the prophet? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the Christ. Will the Christ come out of Galilee? He, he's coming from the wrong place. Scripture said he's of the seed of David from the town of Bethlehem, but he's he, apparently they didn't realize that he was born in Bethlehem, but he's coming out of uh, Galilee. So and 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 he did not have the endorsement of the Pharisees. Or the world system. Uh, uh, he did not have the endorsement of the prevailing religious powers. system. Powers, no. He and surely so, did not. And so this is why John talks about Jesus as the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin mm-hmm. of the world. He talks about as the the light of the world, uh, mm-hmm. the good shepherd, yeah. uh, the, the, bread of, the bread of mm-hmm. life. So the John vine. is there mm-hmm. to clarify the identity of Jesus. So... But one of the things that they, and, and as, you, as you get into this, uh, just before this, uh, they were thinking, okay, he is the one, could he be the Messiah? Some were thinking that, mm-hmm. but that he didn't, he didn't fit the, the concept Quite, in their yeah. minds. Well, you have to understand that their idea of the Messiah was a little confused because um, Jesus Christ... Uh, those prophetic words were talking about two separate, different, distinct comings. One was his first coming, one was his second coming, and I think they were not able to, they didn't have that little piece of uh, understanding. Oh, wait a minute, which coming is this we're talking about? So he was coming this first time after thousands of years of promise and waiting. And when people have waited for a long time on something, they become very, very skeptical about it. They don't believe it anymore. And I think this is what he walked into. And two, then the idea there was a time when he, they he fed the people. Mm-hmm. You know, they they he fed them, uh, fed the four thousand, fed the five thousand. Said, oh, hey, let's make him the king. He should be our king because he feeds us, because he gives yeah. us stuff. Well, and that's kind of how the same mentality is today. Right. Let him. What's in it let for me? What can you do for me? Be the senators, be the representatives, yeah. because they will give us free medical care, free. Well, uh, it's nothing. Education. It's really changed. It really, really. But there were times when Jesus, they were wanting to make Jesus a king, and he refused. His, and he refused. He would. They will, Yeah. He'd skip out. Right. <laughs> he'd skip out and say, "No, no, no. My time has not come." But yes. what you're talking about now is. The time. Well, this is the time for him to come, and he is declaring himself yeah. as as Messiah. He, it's one of the ways he's declaring himself as Messiah. Well, it it, the, it says um, in in Daniel he's talking about this prophetic revelation of end times, and there's a lot of very complicated uh, things that we you know don't fully understand, and maybe we do, but hasn't been explained fully to most of us. Uh, in Daniel chapter 9, for example, when, angel, when the angel Gabriel came and, and unraveled the vision 
to Daniel, the beginning of it, he, he says he beginning uh, in uh, chapter nine, verse twenty-one. Yes, a while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. So we have Gabriel, Gabriel, the same angel that basically delivered the message to Mary. He's the messenger angel, so to speak. Um, and I think he's also the one who, you know, was with uh, Joseph and etc. But he, 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 I saw this this morning, cause to fly swiftly. Hurry up, angel. How, how swiftly can an angel fly? I mean, like a rocket, like shot like an arrow. I don't know. He, fly, he was supposed to fly swiftly to reach him in time. And I don't know how far he had to come. I don't know through how many galaxies he had to come. I don't know how, through, how many dimensions Gabriel had to come to get to Daniel, who was praying, praying. And he'd been praying for a while, 21 days, I think, actually. And so the first thing the angel basically did was apologize that it took him so long to get there. But then he said, um, he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplication, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved, Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. So Daniel had some questions he was bringing before the Lord, praying. I think it sounds like he was praying about the time, the timeline. What, when is this Messiah coming? Daniel, at this point, right before this, he kind of reve- uh, under- came to understand that the Jews were going to be locked up in captivity, which he was uh, a part of there in Babylon, for 70 years. He finally figured it out. Jeremiah had said it's going to be 70 years, but Daniel maybe hadn't heard that word from Jeremiah because he was a young kid when he was taken off. And here they were sitting 70 years and he realized the time of their captivity was just about up. And actually, Daniel lived to see it because he was there at the beginning of the captivity uh, when he was a young boy, maybe 17, 13, something like that, taken off. And then he became one of the guys that they trained up. I don't know if they made him into eunuchs or what they did, but 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 trained him up. And so then he went through three or four different um, uh, political regimes. And at the, final, at the final one, Darius was defeated and Cyrus, the king of Persia, took over. Now, Daniel was in the office in the cabinet of King Cyrus, at least for the first year or two. And that's when he delivered to Cyrus the word from Isaiah that said that Cyrus, God had anointed Cyrus to come and set his people free. So Daniel showed that verse in Isaiah to King Cyrus, who was a heathen who knew nothing about this, that God had already used his name and identified him as the one who was going to let the children of Israel go back uh, to release uh, them to go back to Jerusalem. And the amazing thing, well, it shouldn't be amazing because God knows everything, the end from the beginning. Yeah, but, but I think Cyrus was pretty impressed. 150 years before Cyrus was even on the scene. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah mentions his mm-hmm. name yeah. specifically and what he would do. It's interesting, too. Here, here it is. I'll, can, I'll read it first. Yeah, go ahead. Isaiah chapter um, 44 and then 45. Um, Who says to the deep, be dry, and I will dry up your rivers? Who says to, of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, he shall perform all my pleasure, and even saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built, and to the temple your foundation shall be built. 150 Thus years says before. the Lord to his anointed, yeah. to Cyrus, verse 45, chapter 45, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him and to loose the armor of kings, to open the door before him the double doors, so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in, in pieces the gates of bronze and cut in uh, the bars of iron, I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. 
So he's calling um, Cyrus by name and, and giving him this commission, um, telling him what he's going to do. So there was a prophecy about King Cyrus, even before he was born, of what he would do. And when Cyrus saw this, as it was presented to him by Daniel the prophet, as it was written by Isaiah the prophet, 150 years before Cyrus lived, before Daniel lived, when Cyrus saw this, he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And immediately he, be, he, he, he fulfilled, he, he fulfilled the prophecy. He let mm-hmm. the children who had been captured by Babylon, 70 years, now Cyrus had just captured Babylon, so he was in power, so he could say to the captives, Kept, held in captivity, you can go home, oh, anybody who wants to. And so then some of them went, began to go home. And I think that's when uh, eventually Ezra and Nehemiah went back with them to help them uh, build the walls and rebuild uh, the temple. The temple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, eventually they went back to their promised land, just like God had said, but it was 70 years. But in the process of going back to Daniel now, the angel's talking to Daniel. Daniel's still praying, and now he's got another question. When, how long is this going to be? Um, uh, so the angel said, quote, uh, verse uh, nine twenty four of Daniel, 70 weeks are determined. Well, we already see that they were 70 years in captivity for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision, seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Mm-hmm. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command, here's the here's here's the beginning point of the the thing we're going to be talking about. From the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem, until the Messiah the prince, comma, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The streets shall be built again and the walls even in troublesome times. So going, so at the beginning from the from going forth of the command, when Cyrus made the command, the decree to Ezra, uh, to the children of Israel, they could go back and Ezra began, he went back with them. He started to, they worked on the temple for a while. Went from the moment of that, and they determined that year. They have it archaeologically determined what that year was. I can't give you the year right now, but um, I'm sure you can look it up if you want to. But that from that moment until the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks, so it's sixty-nine weeks. And after the sixty-two weeks, the Messiah shall be cut off but not for himself. So he's talking here too. the Messiah after he comes, reveals himself as the Messiah to the children of Israel. He had to do that. He had to declare he was the Messiah to the children of Israel, to the Jews, because if he didn't do that, then there wasn't thing, anything they could reject. They had to, he had right. to ac- actually at least present that truth to them for the purpose of either accepting it or rejecting it. So what happened in, and Chuck Missler goes on and he does the math for us or somebody did the math and he was, picked up on it, that um, from the time the decree was given by Cyrus to rebuild Jerusalem to the to the uh, point of the triumphal entry where Jesus is declaring that we're talking himself about in to Mark be the and, Messiah. Yeah, mm-hmm. from riding in on the donkey. From, and that was the, the first day, the only day. Many days they had tried to set Jesus up to do this before that, and he said, no, no, like you said, my time has not yet come. Right. But at this point... Um, 
You know, and I, I, I just pause for a second. I've always said the triumphal entry, that's kind of goofy. That's silly. That's what is that? Riding on a donkey and palm branches and hosa. I mean, I mean, it's, it's really dramatic and it's cool and it's prophetic, but it seems so um, unkingly. You know, it's not, not, I mean, what would a king do? Pomp and circumstance. He'd arrive, arriving on a big entourage. Would he have kings and warriors and, 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 and others on horses and slaves going before him. He'd have all kinds of pomp and certain, you know, before he arrives in a Music city. Music and all that. You know, yeah. we'd have the big, you know, how even is today, the political kings and queens of the earth that float around as presidents and prime ministers and whatever, and all the Hail regal, the yeah, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I thought, what is this? This is so such a downplay. It's almost like an embarrassment. You know, he's riding on a donkey. I mean, I get the symbolism, but... It didn't mean anything much to me other than the and the timing didn't appear to me to be anything significant except it was right before he was crucified. So that was something. But when I realized what Chuck says, he said that when they did the math to compute the the date of the declaration for the rebuilding of Jerusalem to the date of the triumphal entry. And they have that date figured out because we have the crucifixion figured out and you can work mm-hmm. it back a couple mm-hmm. of days um, was when they added all the the times of the six, uh, let's see, what is it? Know this, understand the time, the 70 weeks and the 69 weeks and the 62 weeks and all that stuff. When they did all that math using not the 365-day calendar, but the 360-day calendar, which is the calendar that, you know, God uses, basically. Um, they came up with 1,000, I mean, 173,880 days. 173,880 days. And it is to the day when Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem mm-hmm. on the donkey. Exactly, exactly what they gave here as the math. They gave the, the you know, if you're into the math using the right years and computations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and days, adding all of those things up, they came to the exact day that the angel Gabriel told Daniel that Jesus Christ would ride into Jerusalem on the donkey. Now, you say, well, so what? We're saying here what we're really understanding is that God speaks to us. He in time and out of time. Mm-hmm. He he prophesies ahead of time. He is the God of time. He, he is he is over time. He his, is yes, outside. His of origin time. and his message are outside of time, but he puts it within a time to to, to to prove that by doing this he's proving that that these prophetic things are going to happen. He's proving that he is the God of all eternity, mm-hmm. that he's already, all this stuff is totally graphed out, laid out, precisely laid out. It's as, it's as precise as anything we do in shooting a rocket to the moon, I tell you. It's precise. And, the, and so you say, well, how can that be so precise? Everything God does in here is precise. But the problem is people just fly through it, read it if they read it at all. They, it's not decoded for them because they don't do the diligent study and the, and you have to have the Holy Spirit. He is the decoder of the mysteries of this word. He has in him is, you know, he contains the revelation of Jesus Christ and he dwells within us. So if you have a question about the word of God or your life circumstance or something, anything, ask the Holy Spirit to show you what it is. But I thought this was very impressive that Jesus Christ was right on time right on time. And then we see what happens. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them and said, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their garments on the road. They were gathering. They were in that place already. They were getting ready for the Passover, which was going to be about three, four days later. So 
Jerusalem was being filled with people, uh, travelers, uh, partygoers, people who are looking for a, you know, a, a feast, a celebration, a day of rest, a vacation, whatever you want to call it. Others, um, they got so excited, they cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. I know in our traditional churches, we put, use palm branches. and. Well, in John chapter 12, verse 13, it mentions the palm branches, but you know, they, there's no native palm trees in Jerusalem. Uh-huh. So, so very likely, the, the city next door, Jericho, was known as the city of palm trees. And you know, so apparently there were people from Jericho there uh, because they what well, seen the Bartimaeus. Say, I, I, what I think was happening, they were oh, following okay. Jesus. Where are these palm trees, palm branches? I believe what they were. The guys coming from Jer- Jericho grabbed a palm branch on the way. They're like a little fan. And so they're fanning their way on themselves on their big, long yeah. trip to Jerusalem. It's Fan- not that far, really. No, well, yeah, four, five, ten miles. I don't know what it is, yeah. 12 miles. They're fanning themselves, and they got these palm branches already in their hands. They've been fanning themselves, and now they're throwing them at Jesus and, and using those to hail the, the, the king. It's like you throw rose petals or flowers or bouquets or something in front of a, a dignitary to, mm-hmm. you know, acknowledge your your ex, you know, your excitement about them coming. So these palm branches were already in their hands, and they they've spread the garments. They want it, you know, because if there's any mud on the road, any any dung, anything, they want to cover all that up so that it would be a nice clean path. Um, they covered, they cut down the the branches of probably the other types of other trees, trees leafy, yeah, that were there, other leafy trees, and and the multitudes went before him and followed, crying, saying, "Hosanna to the Son of David." So notice what they're saying. They're not saying, "Hey Jesus, yay Jesus, Jesus." You know, they weren't saying. They were saying, "Son of David." Now Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was promised to come. Had to come out of the lineage of David, the King. And yeah, we they see, knew that. They, they knew that. And, and so they, I don't know, somebody had put it together that he, his his mother and his father were both direct de, of the direct lineage and descendants of King David. And somebody, they figured, you know, the Messiah, even if they didn't understand the lineage, they must have said, this has got to be the son of David mm-hmm. because uh, of, of all the miracles that he was doing and so forth. Hosanna so. in the highest. Isn't mm-hmm. that what the angels said when they came Hosanna, down here at Bethlehem? Yeah. Didn't they say that too, Hosanna? Yeah. Or did they say that? I can't remember. I think they did, though. Hosanna in the highest. So they're acclaiming, acknowledging, hailing, the yeah. coming up. Listen, guys, stop for a second. It's whoa, like whoa, whoa. Lord whoa, save whoa. is what it means. You guys, listen. We're talking about real things here. We're not talking about a mythical book that maybe existed, maybe didn't, and maybe God exists and maybe doesn't, and your life is so filled with doubt and you're so programmed now by chaos and confusion and discouragement that you can't even look up. You know, you're, you're down on all four. You can't even, you know, handle what's going on. This is true. This is our hope. This is Jesus Christ coming back again. He, he lived among us. He got hungry. We see in the next couple of verses, he was actually hungry when he went up to the fig tree. He feels your pain. He knows what you're going through. He's watching it. He's watching over you. He said he'll never leave us or forsake us. And so don't give up that this is it. This CRAP that we're seeing going on nowadays is not the end of the story, but it is part of the story. It is part of the culmination that brings in the, the, cli- the climax, for which we brings in the return of the King of Kings. Jesus Christ, this next time, we know this from Revelation, is going to ride in again, this time on a white horse. I, and it's going to be, he's going to ride into Jerusalem, and he's going to go through the double gates that have been sealed up since God only knows when, since, I suppose, the destruction of Jerusalem back in the day when, you know, right after he left. 
And so the thing is, those gates have never been opened, but they will be open. And Jesus is coming back. But there's tons and tons of horrible, magnificent, un- incredible, terrifying, unex- unspeakable things that are going to happen between now and then. You know, he's talking about pain and punishment. We talk about the rapture. We talk about the intense heat and the elements melting with fervent heat and all kinds of things. That will be global warming. Yes, it will. But it's not the global warming. They're worried about the glaciers melting right now. It's not that at all. It is uh, something totally different. It but will be a total environmental disaster. I know. And I believe, I, I, you know, I don't worry about so much. You know, we've had nothing but des- natural, a lot of natural disasters. There's hurricanes. There's this big tornado that just went through Alabama. There's all kinds of things that are going on. All And, and you know, but God is talking about the stars falling from heaven. That's going to be a, a natural disaster. It's about a th- third or two-thirds of the, of know, the stuff yeah, the, in the ocean. Everything in the ocean mm-hmm. dies. Yeah. You're talking about yeah. um, a half-fourth of the people die. I mean, or a third of the fourth. And the yeah. trees and the everything. The trees See, and the grass. I don't know if we're going to be here for all that. You may, you may not. It's not time to freak out. It is time to praise God. It is time to get connected with God and know that he is our only salvation, not only for eternity, but our salvation through all of this. And the thing is, too, it's not that God is mean and just likes to just, you know, turn loose and wreck stuff and destroy things. But it just, he, he must, as a just and holy God, judge. he has to judge. He has and to punish, punish the wicked. He has to, you know, put a stop, put a stamp yeah. on this on this evil and saying, you know, it is doomed to destruction. He's got rid of it. It's just like when you got garbage in your house. You don't want to just leave it sitting around stinking. Maybe you let it stink you for so long. You cast it out, yeah. And then you throw it out. You get rid of it. You burn it. You take it to the to the curb and the trash man picks it up. And so... So what we're just saying here is, guys, look up for your your salvation draws near. And this is time. You still have time. You're not cast off. And think, you know, I, I talk to people every day, pretty much every day, about different demonic things that are attacking them. And people who are being just people who love God are discouraged, for example, because now they've lost their sense of their uh, their awareness of God or they don't feel God's presence anymore or they feel like they can't get into the word or they feel like every time they try to read the word, it, 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 it doesn't work and they feel condemned or they or they it just doesn't move them they're feeling numb they're feeling uh, out of sorts they're going by feelings yeah and they're feeling like they've backslidden and blah 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 and and you know this is a test and this is a te- an attack and this is a deception you are in the same place with god that you were when you were feeling good it's just that now you don't feel it but the, it doesn't say the just live by their feelings so stop living by your feelings and go by the truth he said the just shall live by faith and faith in what in feelings or in what it looks like? No. Faith in what God says. Look what God said to Cyrus 150 years before he was born. Don't you think God has also written your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? And don't you think God already knows who you are? So the thing is, it's time for you to know who God is and who you are. And in this world, and when we see such a rapid, mind-boggling deterioration of, rapid of morality and, and sense. Day by day. It's, there's a spirit of Spirits of perversion, stupidity, well, atrocity, uh, just unspeakable, multiplying unspeakable day by evil. day by day by day, unspeakable evil. Well, Jesus said when these things begin to come to pass, mm-hmm. well, they haven't Look begun up. to come to pass. They're, they've been con- they're continuing. Hearing. They're here for, now. Oh, really, all through human history, but yeah. it's coming to a climax now. You know, it's, there's a tendency to look at that and just be so enraged or depressed and everything. Mm-hmm. And what Jesus said, 
He said, don't do that. Look up because yeah. your redemption draws nigh. Yeah. It doesn't mean, he doesn't say bury your head in the sand. He says, you know, there, there's a time to, to speak against Stand this up, thing, yeah. to expose the works uh, yeah, of darkness. Yeah, you, you, you and I, we need to go on record declaring, submit to God, resist the devil. However that looks in your world, whether it means just, you know, however it means, and it's not just standing up for uh, an institution or a political party. It is standing up for the King of Kings. For, Remember, for this is yeah. we are not citizens of this world. We this is our domicile. This is where we have our house for now. We're on assignment. We're ambassadors. Our country is the kingdom of heaven. Even though we, citizens of heaven, that's who we are. Translated out of the kingdom of this world, the God of this world, into the kingdom of God's dear Son, Jesus Christ. You are not, so. Don't get so rooted in here. So don't get so ripped up, and don't get distracted. And please, please, I mean, if you need to entertain yourself by watching or looking or listening to the news or what they're doing, or you're curious, whatever, but do not be swallowed up by that. Do not take take an offense and get bitter against so-and-so and such-and-such and and even God, because that's all a trick. These people that you're listening to are not people. Some of them are programmed to look like people. They're not even human. They're not human. And so don't be deceived into believing. They're demonically animated in the name of Jesus Christ. Do not become swallowed up in anger or bitterness towards them in other, it's in, on what you want to use your energy for is to pray to be able to say Hosanna to the Son of God. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And you know, it's even interesting that the multitudes that were following cried these things at the people. Uh, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna uh, in the highest. Now, let's look and see what, what um, uh, Luke has to say about that because he's talking about it too. He's talking about their coming, that Jesus is coming. And 29, Luke 19, 29, he's talking about, um, the ch- I believe he's talking about the children even crying out, isn't he? Right. Uh-huh. Now, um, they departed. Uh, let's see. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Pharisees cried out. Okay, so here we go. Here we go. The Pharisees showed up. Okay. Uh, in, uh, they say in 38, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So they're looking for the peace of heaven to come to earth. They're, these people are weary. They're looking for something to be excited about. They're looking for the hope. They're looking for that blessed hope. They're looking for that day. They're looking for the day that will end their oppression. We all have a little bit of hope in us about that day. And, and some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd saying, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Um, but he said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, even the stones will immediately cry out. Um, and so he, he, he was, the, the children were crying out. Jesus was saying, if these be quiet, the rocks will cry out. The ro- rocks. Do rocks have a voice? Do rocks have a mouth that they can speak? How would the rocks cry out? How do the rocks praise God? Do the rocks praise God? He says, if, I, if these are quiet, he says, this is such, this is so built up in here that if these people wouldn't send out these words of praise and these vibrations of praise and, and acclamation triumph, that the rocks would be bursting. The rocks would break up, burst forth to speak. Mm-hmm. Now, rocks have vibrations in them. They test, all, all creation the, testifies to the glory of and God. And the stars, too. They, they sing. The heavens declare the, the glory, glory of God. God. The stars the that were... The trees work, of the field. Mm-hmm. You know, Did you know some of the stars were rebellious and they didn't show up when God said to show up? They didn't. And, and that's why they are locked in these prisons. I think the stars probably are the habitations where the, the fallen angels sit and reside for now. 
because they're not in heaven. Some of the stars, the, the third are, heaven, the some, God's heaven. Some of the uh, angels are these fallen angels are referred to as stars. Yeah, exactly. But but so we see the rocks crying out, and the Pharisees are saying, "Tell your disciples to be quiet." And he answered them that they can't. So as they knew, drew near to his city, he saw the city and wept over it. Now this is a very interesting piece with Luke, that he's coming near to the city. They're making their way. This is probably I don't know if this would maybe not quite the same section of road that Jesus is going to carry the cross on. I think it's up the way a bit. I think this is by Bethany, and maybe he's made four or five miles from the actual place, maybe on the same exact road, but he's, he's uh, before he gets to the Via Della Rosa where he's going to cl- carry the cross. But he gets to that place in um, near Jerusalem, and it's a high enough place where he can like look, look mm-hmm. down on it, mm-hmm. and he says, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment around you, surround you, and close in on you on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. And this, this was fulfilled in 70 A.D. And this was ex- when the Romans mm-hmm. came in and just devastated the, the city of Jerusalem. Well, this is part of the prophecy that Jesus is prophesying. He, he explains it a little more in Matthew chapter 24 when he's, they say to him um, in the front of that chapter, he says, Do you see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you that not one stone will be left the upon temple. another. Yeah, the buildings uh, of the temple. Until these, yeah, they're talking about the buildings of the temple. He's, that's what he's referring to. Well, uh, they'll be thrown down. And he was referring to, again, the same prophecy in Luke here, where he says that it's all going to come down. The temple is going to be ripped apart. Your big, fancy, magnificent center of the universe temple that, that, Herod, that Herod had built. Yeah, yeah. It you can only built, it, it had just been Herod. built. It just been finished. I mean, it was only like forty some years old. I mean, forty and six years. I think they just got built. it built. I mean, it was just brand spanking new. And God, <laughs> he he had been working it for like forty three years, hadn't he? 40, 40 and six years, I think. Oh, forty six. And so, so Jesus, years. so they started building the temple before Jesus was born, because yeah. he was thirty three. So they had the temple there just in time for Jesus to come into that second. It was at the second or the second temple. Yeah, the first temple David Solomon built. The second one Herod built. Isn't that wickedness? Wickedness. Yeah. God has his man build the temple the first time, so Satan has his man build the temple the second time. But God sends God, his man into God the second it, temple. God lets it get just ripped down. Yeah. But but he's but here he's but he's saying to the people, um, if you had known what this means, you know, it's hidden from you. You're gonna be leveled. But then and on the on the way on the cross, I mean walking carrying the cross, he also stopped and wept over Jerusalem and he said He says, Weep not for yourselves, but for your Weep not for me, but for yourselves for and your me, children. Yeah, not, and then me. he says, what's done in the dry wood and the green wood. Um, so this is now kindling. This is dry. It's burnable. It's it's going to combust. It's going to end. So there was a huge price to pay for rejecting Jesus. Oh, yeah. And innocent. A lot of innocent people. I mean, a lot of innocent people were destroyed. Now, it's interesting, too, that this uh, Jerusalem... Um, 70 A.D. thing where you say, well, whoa, whoa, what about Peter? What about the, the, the apostles that were hanging out in Jerusalem? Well, it's interesting that just before all this happened, the persecution had come to Jerusalem and all the Christians had fled out of Jerusalem because of the persecution. So they were not even there when all this went down. They were already been scattered to the various other places. And a lot of the, so they missed the 12 were, were already martyred by then, too. Uh, really? Mm-hmm. 
Well, they were martyred or they were scattered. I mean, some were scattered. Well, obviously they they had to be scattered. They were were scattered because they went out preaching the gospel throughout the known world Mm -hmm. at the time. And then, but some of them had already. uh, I think it was the apostle Paul. I think it was like sixty. I don't remember six in the Mm sixties when he was uh, killed. But he was killed in Rome. Right. So he wasn't in Jerusalem either. But the thing is, what the point is, is that when Satan send a sends something bad into your life. God has a good purpose for it too. You know, God is God is making God really makes some statements. Okay, it's when he when he when when Jesus was crucified, the veil of the temple between the holy place yeah. and the holy vault was was torn in two. That was about as thick as the width of a man's hand, probably four or five inches thick, and it was ripped in half from the top to the bottom, not from the bottom to the top. So God is saying, hey. Mm-hmm. The the way now it's not just for one man one priest or one go tri- in here tribe or, or one for one nation to nation. go in yeah. mm-hmm. but now you can go in the book of Hebrews talks all about that 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 we can there we you know we we can enter the holy of holies we enter that holy relationship and and f- communion with with God Himself mm-hmm. through this and and the veil and so God is making a statement it's basically it's like He's saying. Basically, I'm done with the temple. Yeah, temple's I, I'm, over. Temple I'm, basically, period is over. I'm I'm done with Judaism because he's he fulfilled well, the law. He fulfilled the law. They didn't need another temple. They didn't need any more temples. And they didn't need so any that's more, why God let it go away. They didn't need any more sacrifices, bulls and goats. And, and notice, and, and sheep. also when the temple was destroyed, all of their genealogies and their all their birth records were also destroyed because they were all kept in the temple. And so now th- there was no one else. I mean, Jesus' genealogy was, was um, confirmed. Oh, we've got it in the Scripture. Yeah, and the rest of them that claimed to be this or that or whoever they came from, David, or whether they came from Solomon, or, that's all gone. They can't prove that anymore. They can't prove nothing of that. That's all gone. No room for false It messiahs. ended with Jesus. Yeah, yeah. it did. And so... Um, but but you know they're going to build another temple. As a matter of fact, they got everything ready. The Everything's red, ready right the now. The utensils, the, the Levites, the blah, still, blah blah. They're still looking for the Messiah. There's the first coming. <laughs> they're looking for the first coming, and he's about to show up the second coming. And guess who's going to stand in that third temple? Not Jesus turning over the tables, but the devil, Satan, the high Antichrist spirit, what spirit, uh, the the false Messiah, the Antichrist. He's going to stand there doing something. They're going to embrace something. the. They're going to officially embrace. The and false you can Messiah. see this is so it's much being there. Set up. Oh, so much. Now. If we're stupid enough to believe that socialism will help us, don't you think it's pretty? The next easy step is the Antichrist will save us. Oh, absolutely. And the Pope. For sure. And the Pope now is is uh, uh, courting. Well, well, let's talk. We about don't it. know. I mean, he's courting every. He's courting the I Muslims. Know. He's courting the Mormons. Well, you know, they're it, all it, false. It, they're they're all, all false. It's all a bunch all of false, false stuff. So the thing is, to don't be get this one world religious one system, world system, that one will, world government, that one will yeah. worship and recognize this false Messiah yeah. as the true Messiah. But this false Messiah is Satan himself, who has worked from the beginning to be the god of this world, to be recognized and worshipped as the the god of this world. And that's his his ambition. It's never changed. Everything he's done, every plan, every program, every brainwashing system. And I tell you what, as I dig into and listen to people's lives and stories, it is amazing how Satan has, with intrigue, 
and schemes has set this up. There are there are groups of people just in the last several years that have established these kind of brainwashing centers under the guise of of uh, uh, you know self actualization, where, where you can be your own god, you can do it yourself. You don't need anybody else. They're training people how to do what I need to do myself for myself, and and it's it's like you know it's just oh, it's it's so bra- diabolical. Yeah. It changes your brain. It changes the way you think. It changes your wavelengths. It changes everything so that you are controlled. You are programmed. Just like your computer is controlled by the programs that are running it, it has no mind of its own. It cannot do anything else but do what the program says. And you and I are like hard drives that Satan is programming with his software of evil so that we can't do anything on our own except what he wants us to do. This is called takeover. This is called control. Spirits of addiction are like that. They take over your physical body and that you're doing things you don't want to do. And Paul says in Romans 7, 20, if I am doing what I do not want to do, it is not me doing it. It is the sin that dwells within me. But our society says, oh no, you're doing it. It's your fault. You need to try harder. You need to make a better choice. You need to take responsibility. You need to work the program. And when you're told all those things, you feel stupid and hated and dumb. You feel like you're never going to make it and like everybody else has got their act together and you don't. That is brainwashing. That's a lie. You are controlled. Then Paul says, after he admitted he was controlled by things he didn't want to do that were in him, he said, who will deliver me? Now, which one of you will ask and cry out, who will deliver me? That's what you need to ask. Not Not what what shall I do? Or what new treatment program or what new method or what new self-help book or what new self-improvement or what, you know, what, what, you know, know, more exercise, more this, more that. Who will deliver me? Start asking that to God. God, deliver me from this situation, this circumstance, this mindset, this bitterness, this addiction, this difficult, this witchcraft snare I'm caught in. Many of you are caught in witchcraft, the web of witchcraft, and you don't even know it. The people around you have woven a web of witchcraft with false accusations and flattery, and you've been sucked in, you've been shut down, you've been struck with a zombifying arrow, so you're numb and you're stupid and stupefied, and you don't even know that you're in that, 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 it's at work. It's in the church. It's in your relationships. It's everywhere. Some of you are married to it. Get out. But ask God this. Who? Deliver me, Lord, from the spirit of witchcraft. This spirit. Because the witchcraft, the web, you're the fly. It's the web. It's the spider. And it's going to eat you up. You don't need that. You don't need to be eaten up by the witchcraft. That's not what Jesus, he didn't come that you might be devoured by the spiders of hell. So, I say to you, if you're in a spirit of witchcraft, a place where you're being mesmerized, stupefied, your life is being sucked out of you by some demonic spirit of witchcraft, which is all over this nation. It's all over this nation. There's one antidote. There's two things need to be done, one antidote. The antidote for, for the stickiness of being caught in the web is the only thing that can dissolve and set you free from that is the blood of Jesus Christ. You plead the blood of Jesus against Satan's plan for your life, and that's and then you forgive the witches. Forgive them. You turn them over to God for judgment. You let God judge them. That's what forgiveness is. You release them to God. Let God be the judge of it. And then you go on your way. Because that's the only... And, and, and there's betrayal. Jesus said the, the households would be divided. Two against one. Um, mother against daughter. Uh, father against son. Children against parents. This is happening. 
This may be happening in your family. You may be the only one in your family at this point who knows God, loves God, and is being tremendously persecuted because of it. But stand. It's worth it. Jesus is coming back. He's, he's your rescue. He's your defense. Don't give in to the lies of the feelings. And if you're seduced by some church that's full of witchcraft and, and these uh, demonic uh, spirits that, that uh, fabricate the presence of God. It's a feeling. They're just swooned and stuck and struck into these good feelings, these feelings of God. They're not necessarily God. God is not. I don't even know if God be welcome in most churches these days. What do you think? Well, uh, we can, oh, we can I get into I don't know if we're going to have time yeah. today to but, get into But anyway, this. was he welcome on the streets of Jerusalem? Well, yes, for a he, minute he here, was. Here's the deal. You know, he went in verse 11 of Mark chapter 11. Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. And talk about there was a lot of witchcraft going on in there. Oh, control, manipulation, control, manipulation by the religious intrigue, leaders. Oh, uh, yeah, it was demon. It was so, so demonic, and it was a big. You know, they had Greed, a big show. Covetousness. The people, you know, remember his disciples were struck by just the, the buildings of the temple. Said, look at the marble and costly stones and. You know, oh, like I said, we're going to have to get into more of that next time. So when he had looked around at all things, <laughs> mm-hmm. the hour was already late. He went to Bethany in the twelfth. It was too late to do 12th. anything yeah, that it's night. Like, you know, so they just... had this party. Of this parade went on all day. <laughs> and here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. They're lauding him as the Messiah. It says in one place because of all the miracles that he'd done, all the mighty things that he had done. They were mm-hmm. praising him. Mm-hmm. So, and then a few days later, They're killing the him. crowds are crying out, crucify him. So if somebody praises you, you know, honest, honest encouragement, thank them for it, mm-hmm. but don't take it too seriously mm-hmm. because the same people that bless you one day can curse you the next day. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's necessarily the same people. It was probably the disciples Obviously. probably weren't doing it, but mm-hmm. the uh, there were you know people get caught up in the mob mentality. Well, it's the ebb and flow. The Pharisees were at the the, the procession, and they oh. had to go back to their drawing board well, and find something they could do to stop this man, and and that's where the urge. He almost, in a way, provoked them. This Divine was, this was, provocation. This, this whole tri- triumphal entry was a pro- provocation. Well, it turned out to be that way. It, it turned out that way. But, but God was, had to provoke was, them to crucify him because that's the way he had to die, to die for the sins yeah, of the world. Yeah. And, you know, he was willing, willingly laid down his life. No yeah. one took it from him. And yeah. the reason that happened, we can go for that a little bit later, but the reason is the way it was set up. He he was um, turned over, betrayed, if you will, to the uh, the powers that be. But yeah. still, he had to have a trial. And yeah. you'll see how this whole, his death, crucifixion, uh, becoming the sacrifice lamb for the sins of the world, how that was all set up. And all the players in that drama, we have Pilate, we have Caiaphas, we have Herod, we have mm-hmm. Jesus, we have Peter, we have John, we have the high priest, uh, you know, Annas and, and Caiaphas, they said. Mm-hmm. We had all these players, the Roman government, we had all these players that had to play their part perfectly for and this they to, did. And they and did. Even though that they many did. of them were motivated by Satan himself. Yeah, or fear or they or were, greed they or whatever were, else. They were um, just playing right into the, the prophecy. The hands of God. Let's just hit this. We just got a couple minutes left here, about five minutes or so. Mm-hmm. But when Jesus came by, verse 12, I think we can hit this part. 
of Mark 11. The next day when he had come from out from Bethany, so he probably spent the night with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he was hungry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, it's time for breakfast. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came, when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Mm-hmm. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now we learn later on that it, the, the, the next day they saw the fig tree and it was dried up from the roots. Mm-hmm. Now in something about fig trees is that normally this time of the year, Which was they don't really have leaves. They're just starting to have leaves. Mm-hmm. This was an exceptional fig tree because it usually is not till June till they get all their leaves on. Figs don't start forming until the trees get all their leaves. Uh-huh. But this was an exceptional tree because it was it has all its tr- leaves out early. And if you got leaves out, there's supposed to be fruit out. Yeah. And so there was there was leaves but no fruit. And he, and he was came hungry. to it and he said, you know, he said I just curse this. Now Israel is spoken of in many places in the scripture as the fig tree. Mm-hmm. Symbol of the and fig so tree. And it, so it, in a sense, it was a symbol of judgment. You know, in another place, it talks about uh, a vineyard. Yeah, you're right. It a, was vineyard, a vineyard. Israel is also referred to as a vineyard. He said, I, I planted this vineyard. I took out the yeah. stones and I put the choicest vine in here. Yep. And I came to find fruit. And what did I find? It's wild grapes, mm. sour, bitter, Ick. icky grapes, right? So no in good, a sense, no, nothing sweet. in a sense, this is a symbol. Uh-huh. It's, it's it's kind of a symbolic thing. It's like the fruit, yeah, the fruit that he was uh, God wanted to bring out of Israel through mm-hmm. Israel did not happen. Right. They had every advantage. They had the law. Mm-hmm. They had the prophets. Again, they failed over and over again. for centuries. Mm-hmm. They had miracles of deliverance. They had captivity. Miracles they were taught their protection. lessons over and they over. Had, they had captivities. They had they had times of repentance, and then they had times where God says, "You are worse than the pagans yeah. that you that you kicked out of the land of Canaan when you first moved yeah. in here." Yeah. Well, you know the thing is the thing is these were the chosen people. They came from Abraham from the covenant. Of Abraham. They were an we're, exceptional tree. Like this tree was exceptional. Right. They, they were, were the, an exceptional people. Right. And they were ahead of their time, so to speak. But this, this choosing of Abraham and his descendants, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then, if, of course, you get his children, the 12 tribes of, of, of Israel, and you get the, um, the... They grew, they multiplied, they were driven into Egypt. They were, a per, they were very... Um, not only very privileged by God, but they were very attacked constantly by Satan oh. because Satan had all the other nations of the right, world. Right. He had all the other tribes. He had all their 70 belong to, to him. The only one Satan did not have is the one tribe from Abraham that God claimed, and that was the children of Israel, the and children he, of And Satan of, was of assaulting Abraham. them, like to say, constantly, constantly assaulting Constantly. The others were already, they already were already penned and, and bound and, and, and chained and, mm. and claimed by Satan, the pagans, the idolatry, all the, the nations of the world were no no threat to Satan because they had no uh, he salvation. Already had them. He already had them. Mm-hmm. And they had no they didn't even have a desire to be set free. They didn't even know there was any more to the freedom. They it were just is, right. bound. 
mm-hmm. and stupid. You know, they were like dumbstruck. And, but this was and, the only renegade nation that Satan not did, didn't have, and this was the only little tiny piece of land which we now know as Israel, which wasn't coming under the. That's the only piece Satan didn't have. That's the only piece he wanted because he had all the rest. And he has set up Israel in part to be a testimony of God's love, truth, and power to the nations. And they failed at that miserably, miserably. But God forgave and took them back. And and nonetheless, over and over again, nonetheless, he kept his word. He said to Eve, he said, I will, you know, bring out of you, out of your seed, the head crusher. And he did do that because we'll see later as Jesus died on the cross, descended, you know, rose from the dead, descended into the belly of hell, led captivity captive, all the people that got, you know, destroyed in the flood, basically, uh, in Noah's time, were held in a prison. And you see this in First and First Peter, that Jesus went down there, and I believe he preached to the, it says he preached to the spirits in prison. So he was redeeming the nation of Israel, uh, giving them another chance to um, find freedom and truth in him. Well, the time is coming, even though that as, as a nation throughout history, more often than they have failed, rejected God, turned away from God. But yet, he said, I will yet choose Jerusalem. Uh-huh. And Israel, the people of Israel, yeah, yeah. the descendants of Abraham, they've not been replaced by the church, but they will come into a place of redemption, of, of redemption and revelation. In, in the days to come. So, Father Praise God, we God. thank you for your plan, your historic moving of all kinds of events and people and names and prophecies towards the culmination of the return of Jesus Christ to which we look forward greatly. And we thank you and praise you, Lord God, that you are the one who keeps us, you, keeps our, you keep our loved ones, those both living and dead, Lord, that you are completing the work you have begun in us. And we give you praise, encourage your people this day, and set us free from the, the, the strongholds of bitterness and fear and unforgiveness and witchcraft, that we might serve you completely and 100%. Amen. Amen. And God bless you. We invite you to join us on the 23rd of this month, March, on Saturday, the 23rd, up in um, uh, St. Paul Park at uh, Household of Faith. Household of Faith Church in St. Paul Park. We're having a workshop up there, a deliverance workshop, actually, uh, from 10 to about 3. So invite your friends. It's free and there's food. Thank you, Jesus. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.